Welcome to the Inner Feminine Beast Podcast, where I'm teaching you how to be the highest version of yourself that has the power, strength, courage, and clarity to claim the life you desire and have it emerge through here in the physical. This podcast will empower you to use the laws of the universe and align with your intuition, create big wins in business by teaching winning sales strategies and wealth practices, my secrets to healthier relationships, better health, and living like the fierce woman you are. I'm your host, Cynthia Stant, a dedicated student to metaphysics, a self-made millionaire, and a CEO. Let's get it going and unleash your inner feminine beast. Hello, hello, IFBs. Oh my goodness, I have the most exciting IFB interview for you today. It's been one that's been in the making for some time. I feel like it's been asked about, people have been requesting it. Our listeners, this one is for you. Let me give you the backstory of why I'm having our guest here today. So for me, I really believe in the power proximity. I believe in connecting. And I have so many female entrepreneur friends, and many of them are in the online industry. And what I'm noticing is that there's a lot of successful women out there. And the thing is, I believe a lot of these women rich, and rich is good. But the thing about rich is that it requires them to do some work. They're really focused on earned income. So many of the world's women that we see in the online world They are having conversion events. They are doing launches. They're having in-person meetups and events. They are doing something in order to make their income. Now, this is a lot of income. Many of my girlfriends, colleagues, you know, even mentors are making anywhere from $500,000 to even $2 million in cash every single month. And that's important. But at the same time, what I want to see is not only rich women, I want to see wealthy women. And for me, wealthy is all about not just having that earned income, but having strategies put into place that help you to build passive income. And so as an IFB, I always say it's so important to lead by example. And for quite some time, my clients, our listeners, they're always curious and asking, Cynthia, tell us about what you're doing in the background. How is it that you're building your real estate portfolio? And so I could do a whole podcast episode and tell you all the ins and outs, But instead of just coming from me, I wanted to really make sure that you got all of the information and heard it from my right hand, my husband, Joey Stant. So he wanted me to read the little bio that he wrote so that you can learn a little bit more about him. But he said I had to read it verbatim. So this is not me putting this together. But Joey Stant is the father of two wonderful boys, ages 10 and 7, husband of the beautiful and powerful (laughs) Cynthia Stant a real estate investor in single family, multifamily, and self-storage, a self-made millionaire and MBA with a passion for creating freedom and wealth in his life and the life of others. Welcome to the show, our most handsome guest ever, Joey Stan. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to finally make it on your podcast. I'm glad (laughs) you got you invited me. (laughs) Of course, of course. This is going to be really good because again, I have so many women who are interested in learning about this. And what you and I always talk about is really 
doing what we're doing, not only to bring income into our family, bring freedom to our family, but to create that impact that leaves that legacy. And I think it's so important to inform others of how this is being done, because what we've done together really is pretty miraculous. But at the same time, we're not superheroes. There is a strategy to it. There is, you know, just a learning process to it, but it can be done for others. So I want people to understand that this is a way for them not to only be creating that income, but to create that wealth overall. So I'm excited to pick your brain. I came up with a bunch of questions that I feel most people ask me all the time, but I would love to have you answer. So the first thing everybody wants to know, of course, Joey, is how much real estate do you own now? And how long did it take you to actually get there? That's a good question. I fumble on this one a lot because our portfolio is constantly moving and changing. So right now it's November, almost December, 2022. We have four multi-unit, the largest being an eight unit property. That's my baby. I like that eight unit property down here in Palatka, Florida. We have eight single families, three storage facilities. And I always forget about this one. I don't know why we just bought in October. We have a commercial property on about 13 acres, which has some warehouses on it, um, an office building and a trailer, but it's a really unique one where it's actually going to be more of a development play. Not for us, we'll end up flipping it to a developer, but um, that's a really cool and different one that uh, we got into this year. So it's multi-million dollars for sure. We purchased the first one in 2019. So roughly three years from the first one to where we are today. It actually makes me want to tear up when we, I hear you say it out loud. <laughs> I remember saying I was going to cry when we bought the first one in 2019, because you know, I've been at it for a long time learning and, and, you know, getting to this point, but then I didn't, I kind of had this, like, you know, this is how it's supposed to be. And certainly it feels great. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been a journey, but at the same time, when we really got focused on it, it happened so quickly and, you know, there's been failures, there's been ups and downs. There's been a lot of, you know, learning curves. I'm sure we can talk a little bit more about this in a little bit, but once we really got the strategy down, we really focused on it. It can happen super quick. And that's what I'm all about. I'm the queen of hyperspeeding, not only in my own business, as far as, you know, how I contribute to our family and earn income through my consulting sales and, and business coaching. But also we've done it in the real estate, which is really cool. So I'm curious with the storage units that we have off the top of your head, do you know which one is the largest, how many units there are? Yeah, that's in Del Mar. We have 111 storage in Del Mar. Right. So we said like we have three storage facilities, but in one of those facilities alone, there's 111 units. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> pretty cool. That's my that's my project right now. That one, it's a really cool property. And you know, it mirrors all of our other properties. There's always a common theme. We find problems and then we solve the problem. And we worked our way up to 111. You know, the first one we bought was 46 units, I think. And so we started small and we're going bigger, right? As we have a proven system and, you know, we look for it. But that's a fun project because essentially the theme is they weren't managed right. They were kind of distressed. They were under the ground. And so we come in and we make them functional and profitable. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to wealth building, there's so many different avenues that you can take. You know, there's the whole Bitcoin idea out there. There's, you know, the stocks and investing in the market, but you've really just focused a ton on the real estate. So why real estate and why do you believe in it and put so much time and energy into it? Oh, I love this question. I'm super passionate about it because I think you and I have talked about a lot how it's the beautiful thing about life. There's so many ways to do it. And I think what's really cool is all of us as humans, we have our own strengths, weaknesses, characteristics, and we should play to those. So, I mean, I haven't only done real estate, although I've always had a passion. I always say real estate might be the best way 
or your average Joe. And that is totally meant to be a play because I am Joe, but to really build wealth for yourself because it really isn't that complicated. I don't know if I told you this, maybe you remember this, Cynthia, but you know, sometimes I dabble in other things. I tried learning stock options and I studied it and I read books on it and I met with friends about it. I even made a couple of plays. I made $800 in a day and I don't understand how I, that even happened. And that scared the crap out of me. I was like, I don't even know what's going on. So there's other people that make millions of doing that strategy. And I just really want to emphasize there's multitudes of ways of doing wealth building and money earning. But for me, real estate was simple. It made sense. And it really is a very easy concept. So I really like the idea of you just take something, you get it at a distressed place, you make it nicer. And the equity between what you purchased it and then what it's worth at the end, that's your profit that you get to take home. I really love the idea of cash flow. As you know, we do that. And I don't want to get so deep into it, just you know, with real estate. But with the strategy we do is once we actually stabilize the property and we put on bank debt, a 30-year, 25-year note that's locked in at a low interest rate, or used to be low, those are going up now. But regardless, at a locked in interest rate, we have cash flow between the difference of what the property generates monthly in rental versus what we actually pay for it on a recurring basis. So there's just so much to love about it between the wealth building and equity and the cash flow. And I could go on and on. There's other things that are great, but just to keep it super simple, those are the two main reasons why I just am obsessed with real estate. Well, the assets are always going up in value as well. And the thing is, somebody always is going to need a home. <laughs> so it's always in demand. And the other thing that I think is important that we kind of mentioned here too, that you and I really bond over is the fact that we are having a certain model where we are usually purchasing the least attractive, most rundown building in a particular area. And when we do that, we fix it up. It becomes beautiful and it actually helps the community as well. So it's providing homes for people. It's helping the community. And at the same time, it builds wealth for our family and our children. And it's like, it's a win, win, win. And that's what I always believe good business is about being ethical. It's about serving others. And it's about looking ways to be a solution to the greater community, not just individuals, but the whole community. So I think it's really a beautiful thing. I think sometimes people think of investors almost like Ebenezer Scrooge, which is by the way, tis the season, right? But I feel like it's so much more than that. It's a way to really help people. You provide homes, like homes where they celebrate the holidays, homes where they have birthdays, homes where they raise families. And I just think it's such a beautiful thing that we're doing. So a lot of times people are asking me, well, how are you doing it? And it's a beautiful model that we follow. It's pretty cool. It's pretty unique. And I'd love for you to tell more about that. So what is the model exactly that you follow and how does it work? Okay. Love the question. And just to piggyback off what you just said, the reason I love this model so much is because sometimes people say, well, investing is risky. And I agree. Investing is always risky, but I always think the bigger risk, and you, I know you'll agree this, is doing nothing. Right. Like that's the biggest risk of all. Far more dangerous to stay where you're at than to do this. Yes. <laughs> yes. But how do we mitigate risk? Right. And so the model we do is the Burr model. It's the buy, it's the rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Okay. But I don't do that. I mean, there's so many ways to go about doing it. The way we go about it is we really target low income housing. And low income housing has so much attractiveness to it. And I equate it really to the tortoise and the hare, which is one of my favorite, favorite fables, because as you know, slow and steady wins the race. And the model we do is certainly slow and steady wins the race. Low income housing is the biggest need throughout the United States. Almost no matter what market you're in, that's going to be your highest demographic. There's going to be the most amount of people looking for housing. 
So you're really bolstering your chances of having somebody that's actually going to fill and occupy that property. Don't get me wrong. People do luxury short-term rentals and beach houses. And I bet you they may make more a month than me per property. If you take the coaching model, there's scalable programs, there's premium programs, and there's luxury tier programs as well. So you are in, I'm comparing the two for the women who are like, oh, I understand the programs and online industry. So you are in the scalable model is what you're looking at. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I go back to because it mitigates risk. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it really helps the portion of people that really need homes the most. Okay. So it's more of a sure thing. It's less sexy, but... I tell you what, the thing I have the most pride is I think I'm the best landlord on planet Earth. And I say that very humbly. And I do not take my job lightly with our rental portfolio. When my tenants have a problem, I am Johnny on the spot. Absolutely. And I love to take care of my properties. And it's funny, you mentioned Ebenezer Scrooge. It's funny because I feel like most of my people I buy properties from, they had that old school mindset of, hey, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to put in somebody and I'm not going to charge full market rent. And if they ask for something, I don't make enough money to even take care of the property. And then that's where we come in and we see an opportunity and we go, no, 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 you're, you're doing a disservice to your tenants. You're not care of them. Therefore, they're not taking care of your property. It creates this downward spiral. We're doing an upward spiral. So what we do is, again, we find these distressed properties going back to the model you asked about. We get them at a discount, okay? There's a problem that needs to be solved here. This property's in distress. It could have been somebody passed away. There could have been a divorce, a bankruptcy. There's whatever reason, you know, humans are forever will always go through some of these tragedies in life. It's just part of the human existence. And so when we come into a property, we come into a solution. Our solution is always the same. It is to maximize the value of that property and to really bring it into its highest and best state so we can attract highest and best qualified low-income tenants, okay? We're looking for good people with good jobs who are working hard that are, you know, even sometimes people that are on Section 8 and getting vouchers, right? Like that's a benefit that they've earned for whatever reason, the disability or what have you. We just, we really want to attract those high quality people. And then we want to provide them the best home possible. So when we do the rehab and we restore it, there's still always... So just so everyone knows, so the Burr model. So when you are getting the property, that is the B in Burr, which is buying. Buy. Mm -hmm. So buy, you're looking for those particular types of homes. Okay. And then the next R for the Burr. Yeah. So now we're, we're restoring it to its best and highest condition, right? So not to get too granular with it, but just to like paint numbers, let's say we bought a property at $100,000, but we know fixed up, it's going to be worth $170,000. So I go in and we go, okay, this rehab needs about call it 30,000. Okay. So we're all in $130,000 on this property. That's the rehab part of it, right? So now we have a property that's worth 170. We're all in at 130. There's a Delta there, $40,000. Cynthia, on our portfolio, that 40,000 goes directly to our net worth. When we go to a bank and they say, give me your personal financial statement. We write down the address. We write down the mortgage note. Let's say we refinance it, which we'll get to that. There's a Delta of 40,000 that goes into our net worth. That's how you and I build well. So that's the rehab. Let's go into rent. Because this is the most beautiful part to me for the model. Because again, now we're attracting these really high quality, low income housing tenants. And we're going to put them in the house. Once that property is rented, the term we call it is it's stabilized now. It was distressed when we bought it. Now it's rented to a family, individual, whatever their situation, and the property is stabilized. Now it's producing monthly cash flow. Mm -hmm. What we then do is we go into the, the most beautiful R of all. My favorite R is the refinance. 
I love this idea, this concept. Essentially, now we have this asset. We put $130,000 into it. We know it's $170,000. We go and then to the bank and say, hey, Mr. Bank, I have a tenant. I have a property. I want to get a loan against this property, okay? And the bank says, great, fill out this application. Give us your financials. Give us the lease. Great. And by the way, we do do this under our LLC every time, by the way. We're not doing this. And there are ways to do it under your personal name as well. There's other loans that are available, but just for the sake of this conversation, Cynthia and I do do this properly under our business LLC. So the bank then gives us a loan at whatever their valuation is. I know they're getting a little more stringent since interest rates have gone up, but essentially you can get, call it 75% of that 170,000. Let's just put it in the calculator real quick. I'm not that good. 170 times 0.75. We get $127,500 back, locked in at an interest rate for 25, 30 years, depending on the loan. That's set. Then the difference between that monthly payment, which it can vary again, depending on interest rates, but on average, the variation between what it is our bank loan is and then what it's renting for can be anywhere from 300 to we have some properties of about a thousand dollars. And that's counting any kind of maintenance that may come in. It's counting any kind of vacancy. That's really the best part, right? Because now, Cynthia, we got this loan, our original 130. We only got 2,500 in the deal. We now get $127,500 back in our bank account, tax-free because it's not a profit. It's a loan. Government doesn't tax you on loans. So now we have that money back in our bank account. And guess which are that leads us to? Repeat. Repeat. Do it again. Again and again and again and again. And because again. consistency it's- and repetition is the key to success. Slow and steady. So, you know, you do a property. In our first property, Cynthia, we were only making 300 a month. 300 a month doesn't really move the needle. But when you compare it towards other investing, like 401k, we created 40 grand of equity from day one using roughly about that same amount of money. I think our first deal, we put in about four grand. That's all we, we had to put into it. We used other people's money. We'll talk about that in a second. What I'd like to highlight for listeners here is that, you know, I feel like a lot of times when we are looking at real estate, you look at the TV shows that are glamming it up and making it luxurious. Even like when I see a lot of women online who are talking about the real estate deals, they talk very often about flipping properties. And we are all about the buy and hold. And how I look at it again, comparing it to what we're doing on online coaching, consulting, mentoring, is that we are really building, again, that passive income. We're doing the recurring revenue. We're securing future income versus just looking for cash infusions or cash you know, injections. And so when you flip, that's wonderful. But what happens is it's done. You don't have anything coming in after that. So our goal is to be able to build passive income that comes in consistently. And we'll talk about our future goals. So I'm sure people want to hear about it, but that's what we're doing. So it's almost like when you get payment plans in a coaching program versus just getting the painful. So we're continually looking to secure future income through almost payment plans through the rental income. So just putting that together and something else too, that I think is really special and unique about you, Joey, is that no, you are not any Ebenezer Scrooge at all. In fact, you're like me when it comes to my clients you know, almost every single tenant by name, what they're like, and that's just who you are. Now I am as your wife going to be pushing you to start delegating more of that and to be hiring somebody to take care of it. The thing about Joey is that he is so passionate about this, that I say, we're ready to hire. We can delegate this. He's like, babe, why though? If I love it, I love it. I love it. I love it. And it's not just the numbers and the growth and the excitement of it. He truly loves the people that he's working with. 
and who he's serving. And I think that's so special about you and really important for people who want to get into this. <laughs> Understand it's a people game. It's not just monopoly here that we're playing in rentals. It's about understanding how to support and serve and be a solution for people. I always remind everyone, where does money come from? It comes from people. So it's a people game, this real estate, that's what it is. It's a people game. So what is really unique about you and how we got started in this is very clever that we all started using very little of our own money. And so I know people want to hear about this. Now, I do suggest if you get into real estate, it would be great if you had a lot of your own assets already built up, a lot of resources to put into it. Very much like my own business. When I got started in the online coaching world, you know, I was fired from my corporate position and, you know, we had no income coming in from my side and, you know, with no testimonials, no clients, no programs made, we were able to use some of the, the resources that I had to get up and running quickly into my business. So we created a six-figure company in four months, multiple six figures in six months. But in the real estate, it's almost very similar too. So we had no you know, previous properties. We didn't really do this for ourselves. We were apprenticed for other people, but we were able to do it very quickly without having a ton of resources. So I would love for you to explain how did you get started not using very much of our own money? I think everyone wants to know this. How can I yeah. do that? I don't have a ton to put in. So, you know, I talked a lot about, about the property side of it and the other thing, but I think a very big key, and I learned this very early on, Cynthia, going to hunt for a real estate deal without financing or backing or money is like hunting a bear without any tools or weapons. It's like, so you're going after this bear and you're just got your bare hands and you're like, all right, I found a bear. Okay, great. Now you have to take it down. Well, I got to my bare hands. That was me when I started. Okay. I was bear hunting, but I didn't have any tools. So when it comes to taking down real estate, you must, you must have a plan. You must have resources that you don't have to be your own resources. And again, that's, so that's how we did it. We did it through relationships and we did it using other people's money. So I actually started off when I, uh, way back, I learned so much about operating real estate with a friend from college, took a job with him, sacrificed three years learning boots on the ground, only making a salary, never building any of my own equity, but learning, learning a lot. So three years, you were there. So that was like our me first working for the successful business consultant that I worked for. I learned the ropes on somebody else's dime, but at mm -hmm. the same time, you know, I learned what to do, what not to do, and my way of doing it and what I see is most important. But somebody we definitely learned lots of what not to do. Right. <laughs> but also it, it's that mentorship. It all started with that mentorship. And that's why I always say, first of all, if you are a mentor, make sure that you have mentors. And at the same time, the reason you have a mentor is because they help you to go so much faster. Mm -hmm. I always say I'm a great mentor because I can, I don't tell you what to do. I suggest what to do, but I suggest what to do, but also what not to do. Why? Because I've already done it. Learn from my mistakes, go quicker and be able to get that result because yes, I want you to make money quicker, but also I want you to value your most important asset, which is your time. And so even though we put three years into being an apprentice and learning all this, we learned a decade worth of information within those three years. <laughs> those were some crazy times. Me being pregnant with McKinley, us moving all over the place. Like we moved eight times in like eight years. It was crazy, but it was all worth it to get to where we are now. So go ahead, because I'm kind yeah, of like, no, I, I just want to say, you know, I talked about tortoise in the hair. I'm totally the tortoise and you're totally. I'm addicted to speed. I love going fast. <laughs> you created a monster with me when we started getting into all the business. I just love it. So I love winning. I love serving. And I like going fast. That's true. Yeah, well, that's why we complement each other so well. I just love you so much. I, I really do just love how we are as a team. But yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's we, interesting. 
But yeah. so again, I'm the earned income, which can be seen as the hair, right? And you are building a passive income, which is more like the tortoise. So yes, I make a lot of money in cash every single month, but I have to do it again next month and the next month. So by bringing my income, my riches to you, you are building our families wealth. It's a team thing, but it's both. It's not this or that. Remember the IFB mentality is this and that. So we're doing earned income. That's absolutely significant. And we're building that passive income for absolute wealth. This is how you do it. It's not just one bucket. It's how do we do both? So, okay. So, you know, we learned from a mentor and then what happened? Well, first of all, I, even before the mentor, you're my number one business partner in life. So you were my most important relationship. And then we go into the mentor and, you know, three years go by and we feel like we tap out. Right. And I'm like, all right, I'm like, I can't keep doing this anymore. I'm not learning anything new. I'm not growing. And the way I am, if I'm not growing, I'm dying. So I made a quick decision, a bold decision. Boom, go ahead and start our own company. During that time, I was finding distressed deals. But again, this is when I was bear hunting without any tools or weapons. And I would have houses and all I could do was wholesale them to other investors. But during that time, I made a relationship. And so my next relationship ended up being my now current business partner, which is Kale. And he met me and I kind of told him and opened up and said, hey man, like I'm actually not really this wholesaling guy, this deal finder guy. Don't get me wrong, that's part of me, but that's just this part. I'm actually known all things real estate. I understand the financing side of it. I understand the rehab side. I understand tenant and property management. I really know all the, the nuts, the bolts, soup, and I'm just looking for that right relationship. And let's just say we hit it off. And that became who are now, we've worked together. And so when we started our partnership and we came in on our first deal, he had financial backing. And so what happened was we went on a deal and I'll never forget, Cynthia, that was, that was 2019. And I remember he was like, okay, we're buying this property. We have the money here. I need you to bring $4,400 to the closing team. I just remember thinking, $4,400. That's wow. Okay. <laughs> we did. We, <laughs> yeah. Back then I felt like crazy. <laughs> That's why I want people to remember that. Like, I think people see us and they're like, wow, they're so far along. So like, it's not long ago that Joey and I had $200 together in our pocket, like five years ago. That's it. Like, that's it. And it feels weird saying five years. I feel like it just uh, the other day, it was three years, but it doesn't take that long to build massive wealth. As long as you're focused and use your focus to create momentum, what goes in motion stays in motion. So every day it's about being intentional. Why are you doing what you're doing? And what is the return you're getting? So, okay. So we had to put the $4,400 in. Yeah. And then, you know, we actually had a loan out for the rehab part of it. And so we got the rehab done. Actually, it was crazy because of the contractor I was using. I was using him on another investor. I was doing project management for other investors at the same time, bring more money in the family because we were so tight at the time. And I remember he did such a better job for my other property than my own actual first property. In fact, we had to fire him from the job brought in another guy. That guy wasn't any good. And, you know, at this point, I, I've had so many contractors. I kind of know what I'm looking for. And so I knew the first guy was a good guy. I, I smelled a bad egg, but you know, contractors and stuff, that's one part of the business, which does require a good bit about savviness to understand who you're hiring and their capabilities and their ability to perform on the project, but essentially brought them back in. And on the, that hard money financing, it's about a six month window before they either call the note due or they call in extra interest payments. So right at the six month mark was when we got the project actually refinanced. It took all of it. And this wasn't a big project. This was just a townhome in Newcastle. It wasn't very big. There wasn't too much wrong with it. That's why they want the rehab was only around $25,000. It wasn't a big job, but at the end of the day, that was how we did it using almost entirely other people's money. And they get the based on the story I gave earlier with the example, it was roughly those numbers, which is why I chose to use it. But we got 
almost entirely all of our money back out of the deal in the form that loan paid him off. And then boom, we were at it again on the next one. So it sounds to me like you're saying the thing that I always talk about on the show and to my clients and why I have success in my company, it's through the power of proximity. It's through connecting with people. Not only are we, you know, prospecting in the way that we're serving and providing solutions to people, but we're also having proximity with people. So I always talk about that. There's a difference between prospecting and proximity. Both are connecting and both are extremely important. Remember, it's not this or that, it's this and that, doing both. And so it's by you networking, it's by you connecting, by you having coffee dates, by you meeting, you know, our previous mentors, now our current business partner, other investors, it's by you connecting with the contractors, the sellers, the wholesalers, the realtors, that you've been able to find deals, that you've been able to get the support, get the best, you know, prices out there, all the different things. And I think that's so important for people to hear. So basically, we've been able to build this empire of wealth without putting hardly any of our own money in because we found people who had the money and we had the knowledge, we had the credibility, we knew what to do, we did the work. And then by following the Burr model that we talked about earlier, when we refinance it, we're able to use that money to pay back the investors. And that's with a certain amount of interest due. And just to piggyback off what you're saying too, I mean, it's like any other skill, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Not only from a project execution, but also from being qualified, right? Like you said, we have so much money now built up in wealth that every time we go in for a new loan, whether it's a private investor or a banking institution, when we give them our personal financial statement about what qualifies us to be a guarantor on that loan, it just grows. So the more we do, the easier it gets, and the more qualified we become. It's really, really cool downhill effect that happens. You know what I like to bring up here that I think is really important as well is I have noticed being on social and scrolling in all the places that there is a really big fear with the word debt. And people are always like, oh, I'm completely debt free. And my goal is to not have any debt. And, you know, oh gosh, they have this much debt. Like that's a bad thing. Like our wealth is based off debt. (laughs) I want you to understand you can leverage debt in order to build your wealth. Let's talk about that for a second because you speak so well about this, but I want people to stop labeling, stop judging and realize that it's for you by you. And that there's a lot of opportunities and what some people may say is obstacles, but we've been able to use that debt in order to then build our assets and wealth. So we kind of already talked about that based off the model and how we're doing it, but like just really highlighting on the actual concept of this is debt. Can you kind of speak to that a little bit? A thousand percent. I love that you brought this up and asked this question because education is something I'm so passionate about. You know, we got two boys in school right now and, you know, I take a lot of pride in really talking to them at home and teaching them and showing them, taking them to property, talking and and making money a conversation. Robert Kiyosaki, this is what we play when we're home. They're learning about assets, you know? Yes. So debt is very misunderstood. If you were to listen to the mainstream media, you know, you're going to hear debt is bad, credit, cut up your credit cards, don't have any debt. And what's really missing is the conversation's incomplete because debt is a very broad term. And so debt, it can be good or it can be bad. And so the way in the mainstream media it's projected, it's labeled as bad, which I think is a real big shame and a problem. So I go back to education because people truly understood what it is then they can make more educated decisions. Instead of just labeling it with a broad brush and saying, nope, debt bad, they're missing out on opportunities. So people listening to this podcast are getting ahead of the game because they're actually 
educating themselves and getting away from the mainstream message and thinking more for themselves. Again, don't just take my word for it. Although I like to think I'm right about everything. I go back to what we said very early on. You really need to choose what feels right for you. For some people, taking on millions of dollars of mortgages would freak them out. But debt can be really good too. So bad debt is something like buying a flat screen TV on a credit card, paying 27% interest on that flat screen TV credit card. The issue is the TV doesn't produce any cash flow, has no ability to service the debt. So that is bad debt. And if that's what you're buying on your credit cards, then you should probably cut them up. And for most people, that's great advice. But when we're talking about debt in real estate, this is a whole other ballgame. Debt is actually money. And debt is actually what allows you to scale and go fast. So when we take down a house, if I waited until we saved Cynthia, like we just bought this deal in October and it was a million dollars. Right. Okay. Do you know how long it would take us to save a million dollars to buy this deal? Right. <laughs> we would never buy the deal. I'm not that, but I mean, it would happen this year. That's for sure. So whenever we take on a deal, we take on debt. And the reason it's good debt is because when we realize it produces income and you underwrite the deal and you understand that, well, yes, I have debt. However, the income generated exceeds my debt service through debt services, how much you have to pay money. So just to make paint a broad brush, if you have a mortgage payment of 6,000 a month, but your asset, because again, I'm using debt to buy an asset, such as a property. I'm not using it to buy a liability, such as a TV. If it generates 10,000 a month, well, yes, I have this $6,000 note. I have this giant mortgage, giant is relative, but yes, I have this mortgage. I'm actually making four grand a month on this asset. And so when you think about debt like that, in fact, Robert Kiyosaki actually said it really good. I love that man. I listened to his podcast. I read all his books. I, I recommend everybody just start with rich dad, poor dad, it will, and then just keep expanding from there. But he asked a question. He said, if you didn't use any of your own money and you bought a house and using none of your own money and it made you $200 a month, how many houses would you buy? What's the answer? As many as I can get, however many I can do, that's what I want to do. And so when you think about debt like that, it completely changes the script in your mind. It's not, oh my God, I took out a hundred thousand or a million dollar loan. And Cynthia will probably take out bigger loans in the very near future. But it's more about what is the cash flow that generates from it. And that's why banks lend on real estate. That's why they do it, right? Because they understand it as well. So there's millions of dollars in debts, but those millions of dollars of debts create even more multi, multi, multi millions of dollars in assets. And I think it's interesting because, you know, when people see us, <laughs> these two kids that Joey is my bartender on my lunch break, when I met him and three months later, we got married and found out we were having a baby. We grew up and we really got focused. And, you know, it's interesting because people are like, wow, they're now millionaires. And we're like, well, technically it's multimillionaires. But the thing is, if you look at my bank account or at your bank account, you're not going to see multimillions in there. That's not where it is. In fact, that doesn't do anything for me. I don't want to just have a pile of money sitting there because it loses its value when it's just sitting. It's important that money goes out, money comes in, and that my money is making money. So my worth, my value in our assets, like that's important that people know that and see that. And that debt is a big part of that. But Again, it's really understanding that when you take big risks, they can lead to big rewards, but it's not just any risks. It's educated, disciplined, <laughs> very focused risks. So that's a part of it. So what are your goals? What does it look like in the future for you, for us, for what we're doing? 
Yeah, I love everything you said. And I would just recommend the big thing is understanding. Yeah. And I felt guilty that still, even to this day, sometimes I log in and I look at my bank account and I'm like, man, but then you got to remember there's more to your wealth than just your bank account, right? So really I go back into understanding financial statements. What is a profit and loss? What is a balance sheet? What does your personal financial statement look like? When you go to a bank, that's what they're looking at to qualify. And so when you really take in the full package, yeah, we, we've made leaps and bounds. And then Going into your question about what's our end game, well, my first goal that I always write down every morning is I'm looking to make, without me in the business, right now I'm in the business because I love it, as you said, and also, again, that mitigates risk. I'm super high quality. I know that everything's going to get done the right way. I'm really mitigating that risk by being ultra involved in the business. Ultimately, our goal is to be making multi-five figures, property management in place that comes in reoccurring without any of me having to do anything. That's the end, ultimate goal. And so we are doing the R, the last R, which is the repeat. So all we're doing, and to paint the picture, it's Monopoly, right? Right now, Cynthia and I, we have four houses, and then we trade in those houses and we get at a hotel. We're trading in for hotel phase right now. We build a nice foundation, and now we're going to scale. We're going to repeat. We're going to liquidate some to buy bigger others. And we're going to make sure that they underwrite appropriately so they cash flow in a way that makes sense, that helps us meet our end goals of making passive income making real wealth to create real freedom. Which is interesting too, is that we're not opposed to doing a flipping model either. You know, we can do that if we ever need that cash. So we're educated on doing both. But again, we prefer to do the recurring. So your goal is to, I was saying, what is the future goal? So you want to get that income to a certain multiple five figure, you know, level. So then when that happens, then what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to, again, I could say no more good things about Robert Kiyosaki. I stole the idea from him. I think it was wonderful. He said, once you hit that financial freedom number, so your passive income exceeds all your expenses, so you have this gift of time that nobody, the regular masses don't get. It's such a few amount of people ever hit this goal. He said, uh, I love this idea. I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to become a hermit. I'm going to go off the grid. I'm dead up. Like, really? Just slow down. You know, I'm go, go, go. Like, even though I'm a tortoise life-wise, I'm super high-wired. And I would love to reset my body, take real time just for myself, just for us and take that gift because life is short and I know I'll regret it if I don't. And so after that, and I've had my me time. Well, the only thing is, Gabe, I don't think you're going to be off the grid because the goal is to have this by when you are 38 which means I will be 36. <laughs> that is the goal to get to that number. Our babies are still babies. So just so you know, when Derek goes to college, I will be 40. So if I'm only 36, we still have a few more years before we can start just traveling abroad. Maybe not off the grid. I'll be present, but I'm not working. That's for sure. That. I'm not working. But this is something that we're, so we're talking about three years from now. This is what our goal is going to be achieved in three years, which means six years in, we're able to achieve for life this amount of income, passive income coming in. So that's pretty cool. Okay. So you're going to take off. You're really just going to enjoy time. I see you get into little hobbies and all the different things. And then what? Then it goes into the give back and serve. Mm -hmm. So right now, because I'm so in the weeds of everything that I'm doing, and again, this is my method of doing it. I don't say everybody has to do it my way, but that's how I want to do it. You know, I don't take as much time really mentoring people. And it's interesting on the mentoring side too, because I get approached plenty. And it's, there seems to be a common theme where people say, hey, I, I see what you're doing. See you're doing all this. I want to do that too. Help me. I go, great. We have a nice connection call and it doesn't go anywhere. I'll give them a homework assignment, like read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> Simple assignment, short book. If they never read it before, it's always my number one assignment because it's essential for mental framework. And it's disappointing because 
really, that man has impacted our life, Cynthia, tremendously. It's the whole start of why we start thinking this way. And I'm thrilled with the life we're living. And I just see so much potential in people. And it's frustrating when you see great people and you want to help them and you don't. So I really want to focus on that. I really want to give back. I want to help change more minds. I mean, you know, my, our kids are in school now and you can already tell no disrespect. The teachers are great and schools are great, but they're not getting this information. They're not in there talking about passive income. You know, they're just not. And so they come out, they're just misinformed. And I just want to change that narrative so badly. I want to give back from an education perspective. I want to mentor others. I want to educate others. I want to really just give back and make the world a better place and leave a legacy. Well, it's with anything. You can't want something more for someone else than they want it for themselves. And we see that in the online coaching world all the time, the consulting world. We want to scale. Everybody wants to have these huge companies so that they can really support as many people as possible. But that's not the right model for everyone because, you know, not everybody is as committed. It takes work. It takes discipline. This is not just a theory. You don't build a business based off theory. It takes a lot of action. There's a lot of failures. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's been many sleepless nights. There's been many hard times and conversations. And, you know, there's been, you know, again, it's not just everybody else, our own money going into it as well. So I'm excited to hear about your goals. And so you talked a lot about Robert Kiyosaki. I think another name that you and I love to talk about is Grant Cardone. <laughs> but Definitely. What would you do and suggest for someone who'd like to get started with their first property in real estate? That's awesome. So I think almost everybody follows this path. And the first path is you get the bug. You hear about it. You hear there's money in it. You hear about these terms, financial freedom, wealth, cash flow. And so you start getting educated. You read the books, read anything by Bigger Pockets, read anything by Robert Kiyosaki. Clayton Morris is a great book. I love Self Storage Income by AJ Osborne. I mean, there's just a plethora of information out there. Podcasting is huge, all those same names. And then you go in from the, okay, I think I get the theory of it. Now I'm ready to do my first deal. And so you need to understand a few things. One, how to underwrite deals. So you go deal shopping. What does that look like? Call a realtor. Hi, I'd like to buy a property realtor. Would you work with me? Trust me, there's a, there's a lot of realtors out there. I'm sure somebody will work with you. You know, you can call those signs, we buy houses. Those are actually really cool because those are people that are actually hunting distressed deals to flip. So they're more likely to find investor property for you more so than a realtor. Realtors are mostly trained to buy, you know, rent the homes you'll actually live in versus investment property. You can go to foreclosure auctions, however it looks like. Once you have the information and then you understand, okay, now I need to find a deal. And then I go back to what I told you, how are you going to buy the deal? Are you going to use your own money? Are you going to partner with somebody? Do you have that established so that when you find the deal, you can actually put in an offer, take it on. But the first steps are education. And then it's relationship building. And then it's hunting. Yeah. And the hunting is never done too, because you know, you're always building this Rolodex of people that are going to help you. Because even once you buy the property, great. Now you have problems that you have to solve. Assuming you're following our model. I mean, you're going to buy a distressed property. Maybe it's you know, 50 years old and the plumbing's never been updated. Who's the plumber you're going to use? How do you know you're getting a good deal? You need to start building relationships. So there's a lot of that as well. So the thing is, you know, in my online industry, when I'm working with my clients, I mean, the beautiful thing about this is we have basically no overhead. <laughs> I mean, I joke around, but for my company, I have one employee and I have Zoom. And that's it. <laughs> so I talk a lot about imperfect action and just, you know, being the cause that creates the effect and just moving and pivoting and going. When it comes to real estate, the imperfect action, I don't suggest quite as much. I think definitely number one is making sure that you're super, super, super into educating yourself because it's not just buying a house and fixing it and filling it up. There's a lot of moving pieces. 
you said it's reading the market, knowing how to look at comps. It's looking at um, absolutely. How to, how I mean, we're, we're in such a weird time right now. I mean, just to speak macroeconomics for a minute, everybody's aware. They keep hearing words inflation. I, as a real estate investor, I really look at interest rates because interest rates determines what I have to pay for the debt we're borrowing, right? And so for a homeowner, right, what used to afford you 600,000 last year is only buying you 400,000 this year. What is that doing to real estate prices? For single family, they're going down. So if you're a flipper and you're buying a house and your whole idea was to buy it at 500,000, put in 50 and then sell it for seven, that's great. Unless the market goes down and now you can't sell it for seven, you can only sell it for five. That's a really scary. So you have to be educated. You have to understand where trends are going. And every market's different, right? Like macro interest rates are going up. So prices are softening. However, in certain markets that are still super hot and people are moving into because of supply and demand, there's a high demand. Those prices will be not as moved, if that makes sense. So you have to be educated about what your, your exit is. Right. So, I mean, obviously, like I was saying, there is not just understanding that actual property and what goes into that as far as the finances. Then you have to look at like the cost of the renovation. You have to look at hiring and what is, how do you use your money best to find the right contractors? And then again, building the relationships, where to find those people, what conversations to have, understanding the lingo, understanding how to really build this huge portfolio. So really and truly when it comes to education, which Joey and I can both say, and obviously I lead by example in this and I live by it. The really the first step that I truly do suggest is not just reading books and YouTubes. It's really having that mentor is having that person to hold your hand to, to tell you, okay, let's really educate you. So you understand and really focus on how this works for you in particular. So I'm sure a lot of people have questions. And again, for somebody who really wants to get that kind of support, that mentoring, that coaching on doing this particular model, or even somebody who's just interested in becoming an investor in real estate, is this something that you're offering and what is the place for them to connect with you to learn more? Yeah. As I stated earlier, I'm constantly having conversations and I definitely offer that. The best way to reach out to me, I won't give you my real estate email because it's just too cluttered. I don't want your email to get lost. My personal email is just joey.stant at gmail.com. Just mention that you listen to the podcast and I'm more than happy to connect with anybody in your audience, Cynthia, that wants to talk real estate, get educated, working and, and just becoming an investor and building that wealth for themselves and building that passive income. Right. Because there are a lot of people who say, oh my goodness, I do have a lot of money and I don't feel like doing all the work that you just said, because that sounds like a lot of moving parts. Can I still make money in real estate? Absolutely. That's what our investors do. So there's different suggestions on how to invest and when to invest and all the different things. So these are things you can educate on, which I think is so important. And I think today was a great, great way for you just to show up your expertise. I'm so happy for our listeners to hear about, you know, what we're up to and have it come from you because you really are the one that's so focused in this and really the reason why we have what we have. So I'm so grateful for you, babe. Thank you so much for being here. I'm sure everybody's loving this. Give Joey a little shout out and we'll make sure to leave his email below so that you have that in the description so that you can send him any questions. If you're interested in learning about mentorship, you know, having any information about this, we're happy to support you. Thanks for being here today, babe. I love you so much. Thank you for having me, baby. I love you. Me too. And to everyone else, acknowledge it, embrace it, see it through. Thank you for listening to the Inner Feminine Beast podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. I check my reviews every week and each one truly does mean so much. So thank you. And also, if you want to keep the conversation going, be sure to visit my website, innerfeminineBeast.com to join our communities and so you can also connect with women who are on the same journey. I can't wait to see you on the inside.